Well, good morning, everybody. This is Christy Roxburgh from Christy Hypnotherapy, and you're listening to my show, Change Your Own Mind, on Natural Health Radio. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. Now, for the majority of the show today, I have the pleasure of having a guest join me, um, and this is a lady called Maggie Howell, who is the owner and founder of a company called Natal Hypnotherapy. For those of you that haven't come across this before, this is effectively the use of hypnosis and hypnotherapy for pregnant women, both during the pregnancy and also during the birth process. So if you have any interest in this, this will be a fantastic show for you to listen to, as Maggie has many, many years of experience in not only having children herself, but also the use of hypnotherapy um, to help women have trouble-free or or more enjoyable um, birth experiences. Now, the use of hypnotherapy for birth is actually something that I have touched on um, in previous shows, and mainly because when I've been talking about hypnotherapy in the news, when I've talked through various articles or things I've seen in the press, hypnotherapy for for pregnancy and birth is one of those things that keeps coming up on a much more regular basis these days. And I think the main reason for this is partly because hypnotherapy is becoming um, a lot more widely accepted as a form of both therapy and treatment for a number of, of things. It's no longer just for use on stage for entertainment purposes, and it's also expanding beyond the remit of being used for to help people give up smoking or to lose weight or overcome fears and phobias. Although these are obviously um, very, very common reasons why people will still go and, um, and see a hypnotherapist. So before I introduce Maggie onto the show, one thing I wanted to just briefly talk about um, is something that I'll be discussing with Maggie and that's the use of visualisation. In essence, this is really what hypnosis and hypnotherapy used in a therapeutic context is, is all about. Now, many of you listening will know that I actually specialise in working with sports people. And in fact, on my last show, I focused um, majority of this on talking to two sports psychologists and one was a coach also about the use of um, psychology in sport these days and um, made reference to the use of hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And so I just wanted to take this opportunity really to once again point out the importance of the use of visualisation. Now Maggie, as I say, will be discussing it in the context of the use in the birthing process, which which is really, really powerful. But I just wanted to emphasise once again for people that using visualisation is not just about pretending that something um, positive is going to happen. And it's also not um, for the exclusive use by some of the professional athletes. Although, as I've mentioned before many times, uh, a lot of sports people, whether it's golf, running, tennis, whatever the sport, martial arts, etc., um, the use of visualisation can be really, really important part of training. And it can really make the difference between 
um, a, a mediocre performance or a poor performance and a really fantastic performance. But I wanted to I wanted to help people appreciate that the use of visualization can be used by everybody in everyday life. And this is whether you're male, female, young, old, whatever you do in business, whether you work, whether you don't work. If you use visualization in a positive way, it can really help make a, a massive change in your life. And as this show uh, title says, change your own mind, the visualization really can help you change your own mind about a variety of situations in life. So a few examples. Well, I have to say probably one of the most common examples of the use of visualization is that when you visualize in a negative way, it can have massive consequences on how you feel about something. And an example of this is with a fear or a phobia. Now, a phobia is created usually as a result either of a as a result of a negative experience of something, either an incident or an animal or a situation, or it can be learned from somebody very close to you, from a parent or, or a sibling. And really the, the process of how a phobia is created is that the person has built up, in essence, a visualisation of the, the, the trigger thing in a negative way. So an example might be if someone is afraid of heights, then the person is very likely to have visualised in their mind some of the negative consequences that can happen as a result of being in a high place. So, for example, they may have heard or seen someone fall off a ladder or they may have been aware of a story of a plane crash or they may have been aware, just have a, sometimes have an overactive imagination and thinking about all the, the possible things that might happen. For example, standing on the edge of a cliff or all sorts of things related to heights. And in essence, what the person is doing is taking a situation, creating a result that maybe has or hasn't ha ever happened and taking that through to a consequence, i.e. falling or, or something bad happening. So what ends up happening is that the person will play out this visualisation in their mind and usually it's people that have, again, very good imaginations that end up with the worst phobias because what they're doing is almost pre-rehearsing something negative happening. Um, and the more and more you do this, the, the more and more real and vivid it becomes. So visualisation can actually, when done in a negative way, can actually produce extremely negative consequences. So if we flip this on its head, and say, well, what happens if we start to use positive visualisation about that same situation, i.e. standing on a ladder, being somewhere high, any of those situations which they previously feared, and instead you turn that into a positive visualisation process. So again, the person uses their vivid imagination to create um, a, a positive outcome or a positive result. 
Now, it's not just as easy as, as doing this, because if a, a phobia is very well ingrained, it doesn't just happen with the click of a, your, your fingers um, to completely reverse that. But over time, and, and also combined with the use of hypnosis, you can help the brain to unlearn the negative visualization and to relearn a, po- a more positive one, which also helps to help the person person's brain realize that there is an alternative to the negative situation, the negative visualization. So the use of visualization with a phobia, as I've just des- described, is just one example of how a visualization can either have a very negative and or positive effect. But as I said, it's by no means limited and exclusive to to this context. Um, visualization is a very powerful tool when working with sports people. But it's again, it can be combined in, it can be used in everyday life. The number of clients that I've seen come for hypnotherapy who are perhaps just feeling that they've lost confidence in themselves or they've lost their way in and that they're not sure what to do with their life. They need a little bit of extra coaching, etc. And what I find is that usually these people have become very good and well-practiced at visualising failure in their life. So, for example, someone may be in a job that they don't particularly enjoy And they may want to be looking really in their heart, looking for something new. But in order to do this, the person has to be able to think about an alternative to where they are and a a different positive outcome. But very often we we get very well practiced at rehearsing negative outcomes, even when there's sometimes very often no evidence that that outcome would actually ever happen. So, for example, a person who wants to change job may start giving themselves some self-talk about how if they go out and look for something new, they may not be very good at it, they may not be able to find a new job, they may start giving themselves all sorts of negative suggestions about their abilities, especially if they've not been in, not changed jobs very often. And if the person is lacking self-confidence or self-esteem, this can be elevated even more. So the situation for this person would be that they effectively talk themselves out of making a change in their life. Even though they desperately want to to make a change, there is a fear about what might happen as a negative result. And when a person fears that possible result, they will rehearse it in their mind. Effectively, they're practicing what will happen if they fail. And if you do this over and over and over again, guess what? It becomes reality. So by talking about these these examples and the importance of visualization, what I really wanted to get across is that you can use visualization in a number of ways and in a number of different contexts. And it's very, very key to be aware of how you are using visualization yourself. So the next time you're you're thinking about um, making a change in your life or whether it's applying for a new job or you're feeling a bit stuck 
or you're afraid of something, or you're wanting to lose weight or stop smoking, or any of these sorts of things. It doesn't have to be related to a massive change. But be aware of how and if you are visualising. Are you making assumptions about a possible outcome? And if you are, is that assumption about the outcome negative or positive? And if you become aware that you're assuming a possible negative outcome, again, be conscious of whether you are practicing visualising that negative outcome. Because if you are, chances are you will talk yourself out of something. And the only the only outcome of this is going to be a negative result for you. So having set the scene, I'm now delighted to um, to introduce my guest. OK, so this morning on the show, I'm lucky enough to be joined by um, the lovely Maggie Howell. Good morning, Maggie. Good morning, Christy. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. My pleasure. Um, and um, for all those listeners out there that haven't come across you before, can you just give us a quick um, introduction to, to who you are and what you do, please? Sure. Um, as you said, my name is Maggie Howell and I'm a clinical hypnotherapist, but I've specialised in hypnotherapy for pregnancy and childbirth for the last 14 years. Um, I've developed a programme called Natal Hypnotherapy, which is a specific programme of using hypnosis as well as other techniques to help women through pregnancy um, and mainly childbirth, as childbirth is an area that many, many women are quite worried about, quite concerned about. And hypnotherapy has been shown to really help women to overcome that fear and to learn some basic techniques which enable them to stay a lot calmer, a lot more relaxed, which naturally allows the body to birth more effectively. Um, I have five children of my own, so I have walked the talk. Um, I've given birth <laughs> to all my children at home. Um, again, for me, home was the natural choice it was the best place for me I wouldn't say it's for everybody but for me it was and I've used hypnosis with all all of my children and obviously yes. as I've used them each time I've I've tweaked and changed and adapted it because what I've learned over the last 14 years is that no birth is the same that birth is unpredictable um, and that there's no right or wrong and so if women go into birth assuming it's only going to go down one particular route then they're not giving themselves the best opportunity. Whereas if they go into birth feeling they have all the tools and techniques to cope with whatever birth throws at them, then they're far more likely to have a positive experience. Okay. Fascinating. And so when you, with your, with your first child, were you already a practicing hypnotherapist then? Oh no. Or, <laughs> so the whole birthing thing is what you got, what got you into hypnotherapy in the first place? Absolutely. Before having had children, I'd never even done any hypnosis. I, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I was completely non-earth mothery. Um, people have this <laughs> perception, don't they, that hypnotherapists are all going to be bee janglers and have hairy legs and all the rest of it. Very true. Yes. <laughs> But I, um, I had come across something called NLP while I, before I had children. Um, my husband was actually an NLP practitioner. And when I got pregnant, he had been studying, um, the use of hypnosis as part of his NLP. And he suggested I look into how I could use hypnosis as a form of pain relief. 
at the time, I thought it was probably a load of mumbo jumbo. I really wasn't that interested. Um, but I then, in my work life, I was in sales and marketing. Um, I came across someone using hypnosis for um, performance management and for goal setting and using hypnosis in a business setting, which, of course, was speaking my language. So I understood what he was doing and saw how, you know, how much potential there was. So, Having seen that form of hypnotherapy, I decided to, to read around the subject and thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. I'll give it a go. So I booked in to do a two-day self-hypnosis course, which, again, I sort of turned up in a suit thinking, you know, all these people are going to be having incense and joysticks and all the rest of it. But I was completely <laughs> wrong. And everybody was, quote, unquote, very normal. Um, and everyone was there for different reasons. So people wanted to stop smoking. They wanted to overcome fear of presentations, all kinds of things. I was the only person that was pregnant. And I was about six months pregnant at the time. And so we went through two days learning really what I now obviously understand is just very simple self-hypnosis techniques, which to me at the time seemed a little bit sort of wishy-washy. I didn't quite get it. I sort of felt that I was spending, you know, 20 minutes lying on the floor with nice music just thinking to myself, which to me didn't seem like it could be enough. But of course, as we know, the way you think to yourself and the words you use to yourself are everything. If you get those right, you can influence yourself way beyond your imagination. So as part of that, at the end of the two days, the trainer said, did I want to prove to myself now that I could, you know, I could use hypnosis to affect my body? So, of course, we all said yes. So the first exercise involves two chairs of which you had your feet at one end and your shoulders at the other. And we gave ourselves the suggestions that our body was like a steel rod. Right, okay. The rest of the group then picked everybody up, uh, picked you up rather, and put feet on one end, shoulders on the other. And each person who did it stayed completely solid. And then our trainer sat on them in the middle and they didn't waver at all. Wow. which was really quite astounding to watch. But obviously, mm. I was pregnant. I couldn't participate in that one. Mm. But the second exercise, which probably for me was that life-changing moment, was to anaesthetize our own arm. So okay. we gave ourselves the suggestions that our arm was going to be completely free of any discomfort, bleeding, bruising, swelling, soreness, and so on. And our trainer then came around with a whopping big nappy pin and pushed a nappy pin through the fold of skin on my arm. Now, Nowadays, we're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> but back then, it was so powerful because even though I had doubts in my head, even though I had this voice saying, oh, my gosh, this is really going to hurt, it didn't. And I think that for me was so amazing that somehow I'd talked myself into not feeling any discomfort in my arm. Mm. At the time... Again, all the group, we were there, we were all kind of looking at the pins and, you know, all fascinated by the fact that we had these pins in our hands and we could, you know, <laughs> couldn't feel it, in our arms rather. Um, but was what, what was even more amazing was at the end when we took the pin out, there was not a single drop of blood. And that to me was even more powerful because part of my suggestion had been that there'd be no bleeding. Right, okay. So that for me, I suppose, was the first proof that somehow what I was doing could have an impact on how my body responded. So I then went away and read some superb books. Um, there are not that many good books on childbirth out there, but there are some amazing ones. And I would highly recommend books by Ina May Gaskin, Sheila Kitchinger and Michelle O'Donnell. So I read these books and put together my own script based on what I'd learned on the course. Okay. And I then basically started listening to it. 
So for the last sort of two months of my birth, of my pregnancy, I listened to this script over and over again. And it, again, it was one of those belief things. A big part of me was thinking, is this really going to work? Is this really going to make any difference at all? But of course, when I went into labor, everything just kicked in. So I'm sure, Christy, you know from you know sports hypnotherapy, you do all the hypnotherapy in advance, don't you? you it's Absolutely. not on the day. So mm-hmm. you're sort of pre-programming yourself so that when you go into labor, it's all in place. It's all there. And that's yeah. probably the hardest thing for a lot of people to, to have that sort of leap of faith, to believe that it will work on the day. And I get mm. so many people coming back to me saying, you know, I didn't think it would, but something just kicks in mm. on the day. So I then went into labor, obviously first time mum, hadn't been through it before, wasn't 100% sure how it was all going to go. But I just seemed to stay in this little sort of magic bubble of calm. I had a very long labor. And whenever I speak to pregnant women, I always encourage them to embrace a long labor. People seem to have this perception that long is going to be bad. It's not your body First time babies often need that time and your body needs that time. So those women that have sort of short labors are often, it's kind of more challenging than a nice steady build up. Yeah, because it's so extreme. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, you know, if you can kind of go into it and where your body is very softly and gently bit by bit by bit, that's going to be far better than having this like wham, bam, going straight into it. So again, long labor, um, and I'd chosen to have my baby at home, and my midwife who turned up I'd not met before. So when she turned up, it could have sent me into a little bit of what we call an adrenaline blip, where when you meet somebody new during labor, you're taken out of your kind of mammalistic, kind of just getting into the zone. However, the midwife... Um, who turned up has now become a good friend. And um, she wrote in, my husband said, you know, Maggie's using hypnosis. And Judy wrote in the notes saying, Maggie using hypnosis, dot, 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 we will see pethidin in fridge. So, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously she didn't. Bit of a sceptic. Yeah, but understandably, you know, back then it was completely unheard of. And to yeah. most people would probably have sounded like some sort of weird quackery, you know, like, what is this? This, this stuff. But anyway, she was the one that put me on this journey because she said that in all her year, years experience as a midwife, she hadn't seen a first time mum labouring as calmly. Now, I'm not generally a calm person. I'm quite, you know, active. I get quite stressy just like everybody else. But during labour, somehow I seem to just be able to stay in this very, very calm space. So that was the, that was the first experience that I had. Um, I then met up afterwards with all my NCT friends and I was the only one out of six of us that had had a normal, uncomplicated experience. And it really dawned on me then. I thought, you know, I'm no different from any of these women. What was I doing? I must have been doing something that enabled my body just to get on with it rather than to have something that I then later on have figured out is a lot of fear and anxiety which closes the body rather than encourages the body mm. so I then decided to to understand what it was that I had done so I, I trained then to become a clinical hypnotherapist and that was in 2001 okay wow amazing story <laughs> and I suppose at the time the use of hypnotherapy as you said for childbirth was was basically unheard of yeah 
had had you ever heard of it before or was it purely your husband's suggestion purely his suggestion for the nlp for for pain relief and and suggested going on the course absolutely afterwards i then started to look into it and there was this approach in america uh which was the original term of hypnobirthing um Mm -hmm. created by marie mongan and she'd been doing it for about 10 years in in america and I think in 2001 or two, we had the first practitioner come to the UK. So it was a time when, you know, as I started, there was no points of reference. There was nobody for me to, to talk to about. It was just completely brand new. Since right. then, obviously, it has it has grown and grown and grown. And we're now in a position where we have many, many, many people practicing. Um, and it's become, I wouldn't say mainstream, but I think it's definitely become more accepted. Um, mm. as, as you mentioned before, there are many people now... Um, high profile people celebrities who you know sad that it is that we have to kind of point out but people like that who are talking about it in fact just yesterday there was a a coronation street um, actress who gave birth and and had a fantastic birth experience and put it all down to the use of hypnosis um we know well it's alleged also that the duchess of cambridge used hypnosis which again if you think of the amount of pressure and stress that she must have been under Mm. with every person globally watching her the fact that she was able to birth her baby normally was phenomenal Mm. and again you know there is um there was the speculation that she was using hypnotherapy yeah yeah no and and that's one thing i was going to ask you was about because i've i regularly see uh, articles appear in my google alerts about you know related to hypnosis and hypnotherapy related to someone um having used it for childbirth like you say the duchess of cambridge particularly um and a lot of a lot of the articles are hugely positive yeah some of them do say still um that obviously it's a it's a subjective experience yeah um and that there is no proven evidence you know this kind of like a well it seems to be for this person it went really well and was was very positive but you know that there's still almost a reluctance to say it's a good thing to do yeah yeah i think why do you think that is i think because there's very little clinical evidence. Um, as you say, hypnotherapy, it's not a pill. It's not something mm. you can accurately measure because every person will take on the suggestions in, a, as you say, a very subjective way. Um, and again, depends so much on the hypnotherapist. It depends on the words that are used. It depends on how the hypnotherapist was feeling that day. So it's not a fixed. It's not like a drug which is measurable in any way. So it's a very difficult thing to to research. And again, with something like childbirth, if a first time mother has a positive birth experience and used hypnotherapy, people could say, oh, she was just lucky. Mm, we just don't know true. did she have a positive experience because of hypnotherapy or was it just she was going to have a positive experience anyway so it, it it's it's kind of it's a bit elusive in the way in the sense of, of trying to, to pin it down because hypnotherapy is as we know it is words and they would impact people in different ways depending on their own worldview and their own experiences but what we do know and again something that over the last 
eight years we've been collecting a lot of data of women who have given us feedback on their experience is that especially for women who've had a difficult experience first time round, who've then gone on to use hypnotherapy they have seen such a complete difference in their personal um, ability to manage discomfort in labor and uh, fears in labor and and how they were able to cope so i suppose if you've got somebody who's been through it before they they can compare Mm. Um, there is research that's being done. There are more trials that are starting. So it is something that the NHS are looking at more seriously. There is a trial called the SHIP trial, which stands for self-hypnosis intrapartum, which the results are due out any day. And that was funded by the NHS and was one of the largest trials done on hypnosis in childbirth. So the fact that the NHS are actually funding these trials would indicate that they have, that there is a, an understanding that there is benefits behind it. The challenge yeah. is that clinical research tends to focus on hard outcomes, epidural yeah. rates, rates of induction, rates yes. of cesarean section, whereas what most women report with using hypnotherapy is that that didn't actually matter. It wasn't that that was important. What's important that they feel they get from the hypnotherapy is that sense of confidence, trust and ability to just relax their body and be in control of how they respond because then they feel they can cope. So it's the ability to to not be frightened about labor and to feel that they can cope with whatever happens. That's where hypnotherapy is gold dust. But that's not measurable and that doesn't have any monetary value to the NHS. So no. it's quite a dichotomy at the moment in terms of research. And like you say, some of the um, some of the articles say there there was actually a reduction, as you said, in the in the use of pain relief um, or, or uh, interventions or like you say, um, but I know from personal experience, a lot of my friends who have been through, you know, had, had one or two children and some of the sort of trauma stories that they've come out with. But actually their experience has been has involved a similar outcome, whether it was the youth use of a drug or a form of intervention. But their I suppose their view about the birth, they look back on it as a traumatic experience as opposed to somebody else who may have gone through a similar thing but look back on it as a positive experience yeah. because like you say they still felt in control yeah. um, they were able to manage the pain rather than going into kind of panic mode yeah so that's like you say that's where a lot of the difference is i think absolutely but how do you measure that yeah, yeah. exactly i mean yeah. you know the, the the trial that we're involved with is looking at measuring does the hypnosis reduce fear and anxiety Mm. in and during labor and there are some very very good tools for measuring levels of fear and anxiety um, and we know that from other trials that have been done women who have a higher level of fear and anxiety do have more intervention that that's mm. a given um, both factually as well as anecdotally if you speak to any midwife they will they will tell you that so we know that if we can reduce the fear and anxiety then the chart then that will naturally by proxy reduce any forms of intervention. But again, as you said, it's not about um, measuring. For me, it's not about the, the the medical intervention or the pain relief because, you know, we live in an incredibly lucky society that we have all this on tap. We have these yes. amazing, amazing support structures there on tap if we need it. And this isn't about being a, a heroine and going in and being able to say, 
you know, aren't I wonderful? I didn't have anything at all. That's not for me the purpose behind all of this. Mm. It is mm. about women feeling confident in themselves and trusting in themselves that they can, they can cope with whatever birth, you know, wherever their birth takes them. And I think there's a difference between some other approaches to hypnosis for birth where it's almost set up that birth is going to be pain free. Now that right. to me is unhelpful. And um, and actually could be quite damaging because if you believe the birth is going to be pain free and then it isn't, then, of course, your whole belief structure shifts and so much of the, the belief behind hypnosis will then just evaporate. So if you go in there saying, OK, this is going to be tough, fine but I can cope with it. I can deal with it. It's a bit like running a marathon. You know there are going to be times when you just think, oh, Lordy, I can't do this anymore, but you get through it. It, It's that same sort of analogy. So, again, it's also about creating expectations because, you know, hypnotherapy is not a magic wand. It's an amazing tool that can create magical outcomes, but it's not a magic wand. And I think it's important that women go in with that sort of expectation to say, do you know what, whatever happens, if I keep breathing and I stay calm and I can relax my body, it's going to be better. And yeah. that's what the hypnotherapy teaches them. And as you were just saying that, I was thinking, as you mentioned earlier, about the, um, I suppose, the similarity between use of hypnosis for, for performance and, and, as I know, in, a, in the sporting context is that um, you, if you say to somebody something is going to be easy, that's unrealistic. Whereas if you're preparing them for for whatever it is they're doing, and um, as you said, it's it's a form of kind of mental rehearsal, really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. If you rehearse something in your mind enough, it's it's not to say it's going to happen exactly that way, but if you rehearse how you're going to cope with something or how you're going to feel then whatever happens around you is almost not a surprise because you yeah. think, well, I can cope with it because yeah. I've rehearsed enough in my mind what, I, what I'm going to do. Exactly. And that's, like you say, it's exactly the same in a, in a sporting yeah. context. as a, you know, and, so. the, and the brain doesn't know the difference between something you've imagined over and over again and reality. So, mm. you know, we know in lots of examples in life that, that things that we've just imagined – it becomes a reality and Mm. you know if you give the brain somewhere to go it's much more likely to follow so if you've given it a whole bunch of suggestions to say you know with that first contraction I breathe down to my baby I relax my shoulders I have a sense of excitement the chances are your brain is going to say oh yeah first contraction I know what to do Mm. whereas if you if you go in there thinking oh my god it's going to be horrendous I'm going to you know, it's going to be so painful. The chances are it probably will. So as you mm. say, it's, it's, you know, the mental rehearsal is the key behind it all. It's, it's just giving yourself a video to play in your mind of, of how your body's going to respond at each point in labour. And obviously, as you said, you've had um, five now experiences of childbirth. Yep. So <laughs> somebody, somebody who hated it definitely wouldn't go back that many times. <laughs> And so, as you said, you've kind of you developed your the the natal hypnotherapy program over the last since since your first child. Um, how has how has it changed, or has it changed at all over the years in in how you now practice and and the practitioners what what they teach? Yes, it has definitely changed a lot. I think when I first started, um, I dare I say I was probably quite rose tinted in the whole view of childbirth. I had this quite a strong belief that, um, that 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 every woman was capable of having a wonderful calm natural birth because that's what I'd had so I just assumed that of course everybody else could having now worked um, as a doula 
and worked with lots of women using hypnosis, I think I'm probably more realistic to say, well, actually, not everybody is, is going to go down that path. And so I've built in a lot more suggestions on dealing with challenges that may occur in labor. So I had my babies at home. So, of course, I didn't have to contend with a journey into hospital meeting new faces, dealing with all the noises and the smells and, and things that you may have in a hospital environment. So the first script that I did for myself would not be applicable to many women who are choosing to go into hospital, for example. So I've then developed also um, specific uh, hypnosis CDs and, and, and recordings for women who are choosing to have a cesarean section. Uh, that came about from somebody who was desperate to have a, a natural birth, but then found out that her placenta was, was very, very low and that to save her and her baby's life, a cesarean was the safest option. So I wrote a specific um, hypnosis script to help her, A, to kind of let go of the sadness that she felt at not having a normal birth, mm-hmm. but then giving her some really positive suggestions about the whole operation because, you know, a cesarean is an operation and it needs to be sort of treated in that way. So over the years, I've developed, uh, if you like, sort of little offshoots of a normal natural birth to be able to help women, whatever their choice of birth is. I think also um, I developed a, a program of, of practitioners training courses. So so couples can come and attend a two day course. And again, that course has changed a lot over the years because um, I've, I've worked very closely with maternity services. I'm very aware of what the NICE guidelines recommend. Uh, we also work closely with the NCT. So I, I sort of have added and adapted to make sure that I'm really helping women as much as I can who are going to give birth in the UK maternity system rather than saying everyone's going to be, give birth at home because I know that's not realistic. So, yes, it's continually changing, continually adapting. Um, we have a special program for twins now. So, it, you know, it's, we're trying to make sure that that whatever a choice uh, or whatever kind of a birth a woman is planning, that we have something that can support her. Mm. And I think that's really important because, like you say, a lot of women might think, as you said at the very beginning, that hypnotherapy is all about some earth mother. And if they think, oh, no, that's not me, I actually like maybe people. Some people feel reassured by going to a hospital because they think, well, I've got medical people around me that know what they're doing if something was to happen. And that's what they choose. Um, And they may be put off using hypnotherapy if, if they think it's all a bit weird and uh, weird and cuckoo so so yeah that's that's I think that's a really important thing is to say would it actually whoever you are wherever you give birth whatever your um beliefs about hypnosis yeah give it a try because it could benefit you in some way exactly even if it's just some small way yeah it could be really good for totally. you totally and I think you know a lot of the feedback we've had over the years again is that um there are some women who very much like you just explained, you know, they want to be in hospital. Um, they enjoy the fact that they'd have that medical support, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, mm. They think hypnosis is a bit weird and wacky, but somebody has lent them a CD or they've listened to it and they've realized that actually it's no more than just deep relaxation with lovely words being spoken to you. There isn't, mm. you know, you don't have to t- take part in a ritual of anything. Like that. <laughs> Even if the main thing they get out of it is just time during their pregnancy to go and lie down and relax and if that's all they get out of it that's fabulous because nowadays we know that women tend to work really late up until 38 weeks so they can maximize the maternity leave they don't stop they don't take time out 
And if they can hold up a CD or they can hold up their iPod and say, I have to go and lie down now, it's almost like an excuse. It's almost like a, you know, a reason for them to go and actually stop and take time out to relax because they're doing it for their baby. You know, a lot of people see hypnotherapy as an incredibly powerful, um, beneficial approach for the baby because if a mother is relaxed, the baby will get those lovely hormones. If a mother's all stressy, the baby gets those hormones. So again, you know, hypnotherapy isn't just about the mum. It is massively about the baby. And again, there's huge bodies of evidence that show that a mother's emotional state does impact the baby and the way a mother births her baby has an impact on her baby. So if a mother sort of uses techniques that help her stay calm, then baby benefits long term. And we know that that long term imprinting is there for life. So a baby who's born calmly from a mother who's able to stay calm will have that blueprint for life. So it's it's it covers all sorts of spectrums. It's not just about the mum. And that's a really powerful thing, actually, because like you say, that's something that research probably hasn't even started to touch on yet. Because if you could, if you could track somehow the uh, somebody who was born through hypnobirthing and 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 the effects yes. on later life, the trouble is, I guess you never know. It's like these exactly. programs that that track children's educational progress or something, and they say, oh, it's because they were brought up in a certain yeah. way. But you you just never know the the other what might have happened if. If that hadn't that intervention hadn't been used or that process hadn't been used, is it? But it's yeah. I mean, there there is actually a lot of research out there um, on, especially by a wonderful lady called Vivette Glover, who is now retired, but she's done some incredible research over the last twenty years, looking at relaxation and stress in pregnancy and how that impacts babies over a ten-year period. So it was done as part oh, with nice. part of um, a, a Bristol study. So it's a huge, huge study that's been done, and there are very significant trends that show um, that if you know if a mother takes time out to relax during her pregnancy, the impact both educationally and emotionally and physically on the baby are quite obvious. So there is research out that does show that. It's not connected to hypnosis. It's connected just more to a mother's emotional state. But again, right. we know that hypnosis through other research has shown to have a positive impact on, on people's emotional state and their ability to, to cope with stress. So if you put all these different strands together, it mm. is clear that, that it has a positive impact um, and like I said, even if it just means that a mother takes time out to relax, she will benefit from it. So if she's done that and then she goes into labor and decides that she wants an epidural, that's fine. The point is she will have had time during her pregnancy to bond with her baby, to breathe well, to stay connected and to just feel like she's in control of what's going on. And like you said, the um, the, the ship uh, research, which you said is going to be the results going to be out imminently yeah. that's it's fascinating as you said that the nhs are actually looking to to fund this research and yeah, okay they may be just interested on the the rates of pain relief or the amount of midwife use and it's probably just an excuse for them to say oh well you know well we don't need so many midwives maybe but if the result is 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 a positive one yeah. um for the use of of natal hypnotherapy then then that's all well and good, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are quite a few trusts that are already sort of jumping ahead of that and who are, are now actively offering um, hypnosis as part of their antenatal education. So even though the clinical evidence hasn't come out 
formally there are trusts that have, have just anecdotally seen that the women who are using some form of hypnosis are having better births therefore why don't we offer it um, mm. so we offer our training program in quite a few trusts around the country now and you know they are very very popular they, the courses fill up because women are hearing from other women that it's a powerful and beneficial thing to do. And because we now have um, our training courses accredited by the Royal College of Midwives, it shows that, the, you know, the, the Royal College of Midwives have looked at what we're teaching and it's completely in accordance with their principles and their beliefs and their values in terms of normal birth. So the fact that they have accredited, accredited it shows that hypnosis is accepted within that field um, so again it is it is a slow shift it's taking time but it's the groundswell of women that will make the change I think as more women use it and they talk to other women about it that's where the change is going to come from so it's going to be kind of t pushed up rather than top down right quite yeah and and I suppose midwives as well if they have a personal interest in it either because they've used it themselves or they've had, like like your midwife, um, she saw you had a positive experience, then that they could start putting pressure on as well. Absolutely, maybe, yeah. Because I, I guess it's not a standard part of a midwife's training. Um, it's not. I mean, my... At the moment. At the moment, absolutely. You know, the work that I do mostly now um, is through midwives, is training midwives. I go into lots of hospitals and trusts. Um, I go okay. to lots of universities and do talks to student midwives. Um, I'm at the Royal College Midwives Conference next week. Um, again, it's, it's you know, we have now about 3,000 midwives who've actively contacted us over the years who promote the use of natal hypnotherapy because they've seen that it makes a difference and of course if a woman is calm able to go through you know birth without too much intervention able to feel in control that makes the midwife's job so much easier mm. because mm. a it's a much more enjoyable environment to be in and b it means that if you're on a busy labor ward and you've got a woman who is calm coping and absolutely fine then midwives can offer their time more effectively to those women who need it not mm. to say that they won't look after the woman who's using hypnotherapy of course but it just takes some of the pressure off um, and so midwives again m so many midwives that I've met over the years they continually they continue to promote it because it helps them in the work that they're doing and it helps with their stress levels as well um, I actually have a CD yeah. specifically to help midwives deal with stress management in their role as a midwife oh, okay. um, oh, right. because again if we know if a, if a midwife is stressed she's going to find it more difficult to be as effective um, as if she were able to kind of stay calm herself mm. Have you ever come across anybody, whether in the medical field or otherwise, that has had a negative view of the use of hypnotherapy? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. and, and was it just because of the the perceptions of hypnosis? Yes. or No, right, I, I okay. think that there's been a mixture. Um, so when the American form of hypnobirthing first came over to the UK, um, it had been developed in the States, which is a different model. But there was a very strong feeling that pain should not be present. So you shouldn't talk about pain, use the word pain or even think about pain, which, as I said a bit earlier on, is quite unrealistic. So in the earlier years, I did meet midwives who had worked with women who'd used the hypnobirthing approach and said, well, actually, it was a load of rubbish because as soon as she felt pain, it all went out the window and she hated it. So right. there, because there are these different approaches, there, people tend to sort of put it all under one umbrella um, and, and there are different styles and different philosophies. So I suppose I did meet midwives who had 
come across the use of, of the American method and felt that it wasn't very helpful. Also, um, midwives were instructed they could not use certain language. They could not talk directly to the mother. They weren't allowed to do this, weren't allowed to do that, which creates a sense of alienation. And to me, that's mm. so counterproductive. You know, in the birthing room, you need everybody to be working together, not mm. feeling like the midwife wasn't allowed to do this, that and the other. So I've definitely met antagonism over the years from midwives who thought that all hypnosis for birth was the same as the American approach. I think there's now an understanding that they are different. Um, and then, of course, I've met obstetricians who look at me as if I'm completely and utterly from a different planet because there's, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's no clinical evidence. Um, Must be within boundaries. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. And, yeah. of course, you know, Joe Public in the street who think hypnosis is all about swinging watches and acting like chickens and eating more onions. And, you know, all of us in the profession of hypnotherapy have this as a continuous battle. But I think, and I'm not sure if you agree, Christy, I think it's changing and that's, that perception is shifting and people are now slowly, slowly people can say, <laughs> yeah. oh yes, don't you use hypnosis to stop smoking? You know, they, they are yeah. aware that it has a therapeutic um, benefit and that it's not just about the hypnotist on stage making people look silly. Yeah. And I think actually, for, well, I um, don't, don't know a huge amount of people, but I think from what I've heard um, through the NTT classes I've been going to, through that kind of thing, anyone that, that I've spoken to, is that it's almost as though hypnotherapy is more accepted in the role of playing a role of childbirth than it is in some other things almost. I think you're right, actually. I think you're right. Um, I mean, we've worked with the NCT since 2006. Um, the NCT right. have been selling our CDs all these years. So, you know, they have seen, again, that it's something beneficial. Um, so the fact that NCT teachers would mention hypnosis as part of their standard um, courses shows that it is something that's now accepted a bit like the tens machine you know it's now become the norm for many women just to have that on their checklist of things to, to do um, mm. so I, I think hypnotherapy is definitely moving in that direction i would i would say it's still for a certain socioeconomic background um, of, of women mm -hmm. i think there are still many 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 women from other walks of life who may not go to the nct who wouldn't necessarily think of hypnosis as being something to to use but i think it will filter it will filter through to all areas in the next five to five to ten years and like you say although it's a bit cliche uh, with all the celebs and people on high profile the fact that it is in the public eye is probably going to attract a, a larger attention because it's people will be saying oh actually yes i've heard of so and so and you know th this was the result so yeah they're more likely to pick up on it absolutely I suppose, if it's exactly there. and i know it feels a bit shallow to sort of say oh well if if such and such used it then it must be a good thing but i but we do live in a culture obsessed um, society where we yeah. do watch these tv programs and reality shows of these these so-called celebrities and and if they are following a certain trend then it gets higher exposure and that's got to be a good thing um, because you know in the world of social media where everybody is kind of following everybody else people do pick up on these trends and i think um we've seen a shift definitely in the last four or five years compared to in the early days when mm. i had to explain in great depth and detail for every person i met what it was i did whereas now people go oh yes i've heard of that my friend did that or you know it's become it's become more socially acceptable um, and hopefully more mainstream. And they'll now say, yes, I saw that on Coronation Street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, that would that would be great. Um, but you know, for example, One Born Every Minute, which is a, an incredibly yeah. popular TV program, um, we were contacted by them just a couple of days ago as one of our as one of the women using nettlement therapy wanted to to use it and need, they needed our permission to play some of our CDs. So the fact that programs okay. like that are are you know happy to show women using these things again it's it just it's making it more normal um mm. and and showing that actually it's not some airy fairy nonsense it has value and it makes a, a big big difference to those women who choose to use it but i think it is important to say that that women who do use hypnotherapy they do have to buy into it they do have to invest the time during their pregnancy to use it it's not mm. a magic pill it is something that the more you use it the better uh, it becomes and that the easier it becomes to practice the techniques. So we do recommend that, that if women want to use it for childbirth, that they start from about 32 weeks pregnant onwards, uh, pregnant onwards, because from about that time, your body is gearing up for for labor, both hormonally and emotionally. So if you can start getting into the routine of, of listening to a hypnosis um, recording two or three times a week and then leading up to every day in the last couple of weeks, you really have done so much mental as well as physical rehearsal because mm -hmm. any midwife will tell you if you relax, if you breathe and if you stay calm, your body's going to birth more effectively. Mm -hmm. We know that when mammals give birth, they will normally choose to go somewhere quiet, dark, somewhere private. They don't show a lot of discomfort. They don't make a lot of noise. They just make a few grunts or meows and they just let their body get on with it and we know that women are mammals and that we have the same sort of hormonal setup yes we're slightly different because we're on two legs but really everything else operates in the same way so that a more the more a woman can choose that kind of environment for her birth experience the better it's going to be and and enable her body to birth more effectively so if she can kind of practice what it feels like to be really relaxed practice breathing effectively and on that point actually I, I don't teach breathing techniques I'm not into breathing in for seven and holding for seven and out for seven and things like that because that to okay. me is making breathing conscious what you want to do yes. is you want to make it yeah. a completely natural something you don't even think about but what I do teach is about breathing slowly, calmly and down to your baby, because if, for example, a woman's got a cold and she can't breathe through her nose and she feels a bit sort of bunged up, she's not going to be enjoying it. So, again, it's about giving her just that empowerment to be able to breathe however she feels is right. But as long as it's slowly. So mm. if she can if she can practice that breathing in the build up to the birth, if she can practice relaxing all the muscles in her body, then as we say, it becomes in the muscle. So when she goes into labor, the body remembers how it feels to be relaxed and then naturally goes into that state. Because nowadays, if you went into a you know, high street and you sort of picked on someone and said, right, can you relax your body? They wouldn't actually know how to actively do that. No, it's a strange thing, isn't it? it relaxation it's is sort of yeah. normal, but it's actually not that easy. So it's well, if you say to somebody actively relax, it's sort of all. Oh, well, what do I do? I yes. sit there with my eyes closed and then you get all tense. And, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly, funny. Yeah. Exactly. So it is something that women need to put the time in to do. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, I've had lots of women who've listened to the CDs only maybe three or four times. But actually, those three or four times were at such a key point just as they were coming up to labor that it mm -hmm. really was beneficial. But we know from our research that women who've listened to the CDs um, 20 times or more, they seem to have that incremental benefit. So it is something that women do need to put the time into. Mm. 
Well, I have my CD sitting here right in front of me. I've been listening for the last couple of weeks. So, uh, and it's, and it's, it's a lovely process actually. And obviously as a hypnotherapist myself, it's, it's so, I find it very difficult to do self hypnosis in a way. Um, but having that guidance, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a natal, um, a hypnotherapy practitioner, but, uh, like you say, it's all about suggestions about letting your body do what it naturally can do and trusting your instincts and all that kind of stuff and breathing and, and the physical relaxation um but it's lovely having that guide yeah and and i would say for for anyone who thinks like medically trained or otherwise um that having that guidance is is certainly something that just just instills a little bit more confidence in you helps you feel a little bit more in control um i mean there's a little trepidation, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Which is wonderful. I mean, you would not be normal if you said you weren't remotely worried about it. You know, no, you would not be no. normal. I, I think for any woman to say, no, 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 I don't have any worries whatsoever, um, may not be telling the truth 100%. But the point is, it's that ability to say, A, you know, I am looking forward to it. You know, how many women can say they look forward to labour? It's not something that generally mm. nowadays that women think of as something to look forward to. Um, no. But how wonderful that you do look forward to it. But it's saying that, you know, yeah, OK, I'm a bit worried, but actually I know that whatever happens, I'm going to deal with it. And I know that if I can work with my body, you know, how many billions of babies have been born so far? Right. We know that the system works and that our bodies were designed to do it. And the problem is that when you have fear that's out of proportion, then the body shuts down. The body mm. goes into the fight or flight mode. So a woman who is frightened in labor, she won't be allowing the hormones to work naturally because the hormone of adrenaline will take over, which naturally reduces the hormone oxytocin, which is that lovely hormone that gets all of those contractions going. And so by default, the body goes, uh -uh, this ain't going to happen because I don't feel safe. Mm. And then, of course, that's when women need or it ends up that women have more intervention, um, induction and various other things when actually if that woman was able to just let go of that fear and just to go with it. She probably wouldn't need those things. So, you know, yes, it is something that you do need to, to, to put the time into and that, yes, you are still likely to have some concerns. But if you've got those tools and techniques to help you stay calm and relaxed, you're far less likely to need any other intervention. Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much, Maggie. It's been lovely talking to you. If there's anyone out there listening who would like to find out more about natal hypnotherapy, how can they get in touch with you? Um, obviously through our website, which is natalhypnotherapy.co.uk. Mm -hmm. um, we have practitioners all over the country. If people would like to, to go and do workshops, um, we have a range of CDs, which I mentioned at the beginning, um, which start from £10, um, sorry, downloads, I should say. I've always been so used to saying CDs, but no, it's mostly downloads now. Um, Everyone downloads everything exactly, these days, yeah. Exactly. You know, so it's very affordable. People sort of have this belief that you've got to go and pay hundreds and hundreds of pounds, which isn't the case at all. Um, the, I'd probably say about 80% of women who practice natal hypnotherapy just use the, the downloads and and don't necessarily go on a course. Um, however, if you want to go on a course and you want to take it that step further and you want your partner involved, um, we run two-day uh, training classes, uh, antenatal classes all over the UK, again, on our website.
website. There's all those details. Um, our CDs and downloads are available on Amazon, iTunes, Waterstones, NCT. So pretty much anywhere um, that you can get other downloads. Um, and yes, if you want to know more, have a look on our Facebook page. It's a very active Facebook page. Lots of good ideas and tips all the time about how to help yourself during pregnancy um, and childbirth. Um, and ultimately, if you want to get hold of me, then just look me up online and I can answer your questions. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christy. Brilliant talking to you. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that was great talking to Maggie there. I hope everyone um, found our discussion interesting and useful. And if there are any um, pregnant ladies out there who are interested in finding out more about the use of hypnotherapy during their pregnancy and birth, then please do get in touch with Maggie um, through her website or via social media at Natal Hypnotherapy. I can, um, from personal experience, recommend her her recordings and CDs, and uh, and she's a really lovely person. So I'm afraid that's about all I've got time for today. Thank you again for listening. Uh, if you have any questions or feedback, I'd be delighted to hear from you please get in in touch through my profile on the Natural Health Radio website or through my website www.christyhypnotherapy.com. Thanks very much for listening.